Welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio with your host, Donald Charbonnet. This is the radio program designed for industry insiders, as well as anyone interested in getting into the rental equipment industry. Now, here is Donald Charbonnet. Well, welcome, welcome again. Uh, I'm your host, Donald Charbonnet, broadcasting live from New Orleans. Uh, a little bit about uh, uh, the show. Some weeks we'll have a guest interview like we're going to have today with uh, Dan Conway. Other weeks we'll have an open forum where you can call in or send in an email with a question or a comment. Uh, stay to the end, and I'll tell you about next week's show. Uh, but before we start, let's all hold a good thought and say some prayers for everybody on the East Coast uh, that is facing Hurricane Florence. Being from New Orleans and going through Katrina, I know it's about to happen, and it's not going to be pretty. For those of you who may be listening, uh, don't forget to videotape all your equipment and contents uh, for the future. Uh, that being said, today's guest is Daniel Conway. He's the founder of Craft Partners, LLC in California. He's a consultant and analyst to the equipment rental industry. Dan has advised hundreds of middle market companies with mergers and acquisitions, both healthy and distressed. He's worked with private placement of debt and or equity, private equity investing, and debt restructuring as part of his services. Welcome, Dan. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Well, thank you, Don. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here and uh, especially thrilled to be your first guest. I'm, I'm very excited about this show and what you're doing, and I think it's a great idea. Well, thanks. Thank you so much. And wow, what, what a week to have you on with the announcement of United Rentals acquiring Blue Line Rentals, especially just after the Baker Corporation acquisition. Uh, Dan, I know you published a report about some of the industry metrics of some of the larger companies, but this is very new and fresh news since Monday, and I know you're aware of some of the history of Blue Line. Can you please start off by giving the listeners your thoughts and breakdowns of this, and I guess what I see is the biggest deal of the industry's history to date? Yes, uh, you know, it's obviously very big news, and, and I think, first of all, my first thought was it's just a huge uh, success for the private equity firm uh, that backed Blue Line. It's a group called uh, Platinum Equity, uh, headquartered out here in California. Uh, they, they bought the company, I think, in 2014 or late 13 for about a billion dollars from Volvo, and uh, here we are, whatever, four years later, and they've, they've sold it now to United for $2.1 billion. So um, that's just a massive return for, for Platinum, a huge success for them. Um, I was just looking at some of the, the metrics on that deal. It uh, traded for $2.1 billion, which represented a, a multiple of EBITDA of uh, 6.7 times, which is a very ro robust uh, multiple uh, based on my experience in the industry. And I was also just looking at United in general just over you know the last – Last year and then year to date, they've spent almost over five billion dollars in acquisitions. That's B with a billion. They bought uh, NES in January 17 for 965 million. They bought NEF in October 17 for 1.3 billion. Uh, they bought just bought Baker Tank in July for 715 billion, and now they've announced the Blue Line deal for 2.1 billion. So a total of just over five billion. It, it's very impressive, Don. I, it's just a uh, you know, Mike Nealon and his team there have just done a, you know, been very, very aggressive going after these large transactions in the industry. Were you surprised to, to read about this? Well, I, I couldn't say I was really surprised. I, I did notice that uh, Blue Line had announced that they were going public, I think, a couple months ago. Um, and I, I, I don't know, but I suspect that uh, United Rentals decided that they'd rather buy Blue Line than have a, you know, a well-capitalized public competitor in Blue Line. So uh -huh. I think maybe that was part of the negotiating tactic to get a, to get a price uh, on the company. But again, congratulations to Platinum Equity, uh, you know, huge success for them and their investors. Yeah. Dan, uh, what does a deal like this do for the, for the local, not only large regional companies, but other independents in those markets uh, where Blue Line uh, obviously will be uh, consumed up by uh, by United. Well, I just think it's representative of yet further consolidation in the industry, Don. You know, we, we've all seen it over the last, you know, 20 years, but even more so over the last 10 years or so. Um, 
And in my mind, that creates a huge opportunity for independents. Um, you know, there, uh, there are just a lot of customers out there that prefer to deal with independents. There are a lot of potential employees out there that would prefer just to deal with the independents uh, rather than uh, some of the big guys in the industry. So in my mind, you know, equipment rental is a service business, of course, and, and you know, it's a real opportunity for independents to take advantage uh, of the consolidation in the industry to pick up people, pick up customers, and to continue to grow. Right, right. Dan, if, if, if we go back to some of the metrics that you've, that you've, uh, that you've tracked, always the, the, the term EBITDA comes up. And, uh, and I know with the larger companies that it's something that uh, everybody's looking for a multiple of, but, what, I mean, should the smaller companies be, be tracking EBITDA also? Well, I think so, Don, for a couple of reasons. You know, one, it's, it's just important, I think, to, to benchmark um, your company against other companies in the industry, and it just, just so happens that the United, the Hercs, the H&Es, Sunbelts of the world are public, so it's easy to get their information. Um, so EBITDA is an important metric because um, it's a measure of your company's cash flow, and it's also, you know, when people talk about valuation in the industry, when I'm representing independents and selling them to Sunbelt, United, Hertz, you know, we generally do speak of valuation in terms of uh, a multiple of EBITDA. So is it a very important metric? Um, and there are other metrics, too, that I also kind of track on a quarterly basis that I think are also important benchmarks. You know, I look at things like um, time utilization, dollar utilization, fleet age, um, total leverage, the EBITDA margin. You know, these are all things that you know, the buyers out there, these big strategics look at when they're evaluating acquisition targets, as well as geography, management, um, locations, you know, the, the, those sort of things. But these are important right. metrics, um, something I kind of talk about with buyers all the time when I'm representing a client. So, and I think it's also important to benchmark your company against other companies to see where you might be better or perhaps identify areas for improvement. Right. And, what, and I know one of the things that you track is the uh, the fleet size, but not only that, the age of the fleets. What do you see happening with the bigger companies? Are they holding on to their equipment longer? Are some of the other companies turning their assets faster? And, and how does that affect the uh, the service side of the business with, with older versus uh, younger equipment? Well, I, I do track fleet age, and I track it over time. Um, the United Reynolds and Hercs of the world generally have a fleet age um, at or around kind of 45, 46 months in general. Um, H&E, which carries a lot of dirt equipment, is generally younger fleet, 34 months. Um, Sunbelt typically has the youngest fleet among the major fours. At, uh, last time I looked, I think it was 32 months. Um, but in my experience, Don, the, the independents typically will, will have a, a slightly older fleet. Um, and the reason is they just get slightly higher returns. You know, I, I, I think scissor lifts now last seven, eight years, and they can be refurbished, um, that sort of thing. So when an independent who's managing his own nickels, you know, is looking to squeeze, you know, high returns out of uh, every piece of equipment. So in my experience, the independents typically carry an older fleet that could be anywhere from kind of 50 to 80 months in some cases, uh, sometimes younger. Um, but the independents, I think, are, are generally, um, you know, they're not monitored by Wall Street who looks at their fleet age, and so they can age things out a little further because the returns are a little bit better. I understand. I understand. Good, good point, and, and certainly worth tracking when it comes to being the service engine and the age of, uh, of an asset that a major company is dealing with. Uh, I wonder also, uh, with some of this consolidation, how it affects the manufacturers who at one point, uh, just to pick United, might have had four different companies to sell to, but now they just have one larger company to sell to, and how that affects their forecasting. Any comment on that? Well, it's a good question, Don. I... I, I um I'm sure that the JLGs of the world would prefer to have many more customers than they do, <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they probably lose some leverage 
because they have fewer customers. Um, um, but I, I, I don't have any real great insight into that. Um, the JLGs of the world are continue to do very, very well, as is, as is Terex. There's, you know, in, in many categories of equipment, there's uh, waiting lists, as you know. So, um, in my mind, the, the manufacturers in, in this point in the cycle have been very, very disciplined. Um, so, I, I think from that standpoint, they've been they're managing very well. I, I don't know. Do you, do you have a share that view or? What, you probably have better insight than I. Well, well, I know, you know, everything's about forecasting. And when I spent some time with Caterpillar years ago, it was all about, you know, forecasting what your needs were going to be so they could uh, trickle it all the way back to the manufacturing side. And I got to think that this is a, uh, a change. I mean, Blue Line bought 45,000 pieces of equipment into uh, United. Uh, I think a lot of it was earth-moving equipment because it was started off with, uh, with Volvo. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that affects uh, all the other guys who, uh, who supply these rental companies with, with equipment. Uh, but before we go to break, I want to ask you another question about what other trends do you see happening at, at the top of the scale? I see some uh, specialization going on, uh, not only with the Baker Corp deal, but uh, just with other companies getting into, into other markets that they typically haven't been in. Well, I think if you, you know, uh, the Sun Belts and the Uniteds of the world ha- have all kind of made comments to their, um, to the, the Wall Street that they are definitely interested in moving more into specialized areas, you know, pumps, power, uh, HVAC. Um, I'm representing a company now that's an earth-moving specialist. Um, I represented a, a company that was a trench-shoring company. Um, so the majors are, uh, I think, are looking for growth. Um, Wall Street likes the specialized story, and so they, they definitely like acquisitions. Uh, Baker Tank is a perfect example. Um, so I, I, I do hear that all the time, but, you know, the specialized companies are in, in higher demand. But from my perspective, they also tend to be slightly smaller companies, so, so the market's not as big. Um, but there's definitely, you know, from an M&A perspective, you know, demand for these specialized companies. Right. Right. Well, I, th- I think if they have to grow and, and, of course, when you're in the public markets, the two key things are forecasting your revenues and the profits that go with it. So they obviously, you know, have a challenge with uh, being into the, the new niche markets that they're breaking into to, uh, you know, to follow suit with some of the larger public companies along the, along the way. Uh, are there any other trends that you see happening at the top of the scale? Well, I, I just see a further consolidation. Um, you know, this has been going on for, you know, quite a while now, but, you know, the independents continue to get snapped up. I think Sunbelt did 17 acquisitions in their last fiscal year, something like that. Um, so I, I think there's fewer and fewer uh, independents out there, which is also, you know, creates an opportunity for the remaining ones out there. But I, I think the consolidation trend uh, continues. I think also over the last 10 years or so, we've, we've seen a significant increase or improvement in the technology. Um, some belts of the world have, you know, improved their technology. And as a result, the majors have, I would say, gotten better. Their service has gotten better. Um, as a result of uh, you know technology improvements, so I, I do think that the independents have to to work a little harder. They got to be a little bit more savvy when it comes to technology and that that, that sort of thing. Okay. So that's that's one major trend I've seen over the last you know ten years or so. So further consolidation, the you know technology getting better and better in the industry. At that, I'm going to break back to Voice America and take a breather. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom lifts, visit genielift.com. That's genielift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability. 
which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. This is Rental Equip Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back. Dan, you've been around this industry quite some time. Tell me about some of the biggest changes you've seen and how it affects the independent rental companies and what do they need to do to compete against the big boys? Uh, and what's what's their biggest challenge? I know there's a few questions wrapped into one, but uh, see what you can do with that. What I really love about this industry is that it's a it's it's a very democratic industry, meaning that if you're willing to get up early and work hard and just bend over backwards for your customer, you know you can be successful in this industry and even compete against you know multi-billion-dollar companies like United. So that's what I really love about it. It's um, the independence of the world can and are compete very, very effectively in this industry. Um, but there are certain challenges. I mean, it is a capital-intensive business, of course. It takes money to buy equipment. It's hard to get started. It's hard to form sufficient capital to get started. Um, it's hard to get capital to grow. Um, and, of course, you know, it's a cyclical industry as well. I, I did my first transaction and first couple transactions in late 2007, 2008 at the peak of the last market. But watch the inventory, you know, the industry go through, you know, one of the, the worst recession in 80 years. And, you know, when all that gear comes back into your yard and nobody's renting, it, it's, it's, uh, it'll turn your stomach and it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, so I've seen you the said that back then you could actually open up a new company with used equipment that was in good shape. Yes, exactly. And then now I've seen, you know, the last nine years or so in this current upcycle, a lot of independent rental companies do do very, very well. But everybody's still mindful of that, you know, potential downturn in, in the future. Um, so, look, I, I think it's a it's a great industry and in that. Uh, you know, the independence of the world can compete against the big guys, uh, but there are some challenges. You know, it's capital intensive. It takes money. Um, it's uh, it's cyclical. The downturns are very, very tough. But again, if you're willing to work hard and willing to kind of just, like I said, bend over backwards for that customer, you, you can and will be successful in this industry. And that's what I really, really like about it. And so, you know, the people that are successful are those people that have that kind of mentality. And uh, I've just met some such wonderful people in this industry, you know, people that do what they're going to say, do what they say they're going to do and, and uh, work hard and, and work with a lot of integrity. You know, those, those are the people that are successful. Those are the people that customers want to do business with. So that's, that's what I really love about the industry. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> Dan, it seems like some years ago, GE was a big uh, financer of equipment in the equipment rental industry. Do you see anybody standing out now as uh, the forefront 
uh, be it a Wells Fargo or someone like that, uh, are the manufacturers having to take the load of financing fleets these days? That's a good question, Don. I, I, I do think that, uh, you know, the downturn, um, uh, after the downturn, there were a lot less lenders willing to provide financing um, on on equipment. You know, that that's for sure. GE is gone. You know, the, the banks are, are still highly, highly regulated and, and tend to be very, very conservative. Um, but I have worked with uh, many clients in the past to help them and sometimes consolidate some of their debt or to um, look for growth capital and that sort of thing. So I'm, uh, I've seen once independents get to a certain critical mass, I've, I've seen them switch to asset-based revolving lines of credit where a bank will lend on the appraised value of the fleet. Um, People like PNC Business Credit provide that sort of financing. Um, uh, Wells Fargo has a group that does that kind of financing. Um, BMO Harris Bank does it. East West Bank out here in California does it. So there are a number of banks that uh, still provide financing uh, on a revolving basis. Um, I, I don't know that the manufacturers have been particularly aggressive in providing financing for buyers. Um, I think the uh, JLGs of the world, you know, will, will help a, a buyer get financing through third parties, but I, I don't see them, you know, providing financing anymore. I don't know, Don, is that consistent with what you're saying? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, Genie for one always has, uh, you know, some financing available. It seems like, uh, again, we get back to the old EBITDA number and how the company's performing as to whether or not somebody, either a local bank or uh, another financier, may be willing to uh, to uh, give them a line of credit along the way. It's uh, it's right. It's, they have the same issues as the larger companies do. I would imagine uh, outside of lines of credit to operate their businesses and that type of thing. Uh, any other large challenges you see from the independent side uh, in, in competing in it? The, the reason I say that is that it's like a car dealer. You know, the salesman sells the first one, and they always say the service department sells the second one. Well, we used to, at Caterpillar, say that somebody called in with a broken piece of equipment. It's like a medical emergency, and it's the company that keeps uh, a contractor uh, working with five guys around a hole with a buster line or an excavator that will keep the business rather than somebody says, we'll be out there in a day or two. Your thoughts? Well, I would say the other challenge I probably haven't mentioned yet is um, just finding qualified employees, you know, whether they be mechanics, drivers. You know, there's a real shortage of, uh, of people out there. Um, so I, I, I definitely have seen the independents uh, get a little more creative, get a little more aggressive in terms of recruiting and retaining uh, their employees. Um, but, you know, finding good mechanics in particular is, is a challenge for the independents out there. I hear that again and again. Yeah, I've, I've noticed already in the last two days that some of the larger uh, national companies are already running ads for, for people that are on a more consistent basis since the Blue Line announcement, knowing that they could be some good hands available and people going maybe from C to A players uh, to, to beef up their staff better. Is that what you've experienced in the past? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Sun Belts of the world and, and, uh, and other companies are you know, recruiting some of those blue line employees as we speak, right? And it would be United's challenge to, to retain their best people. Right. There, there's a battle out there for good people, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. I almost wonder if some of the, someone like United with this uh, number of facilities they have will start their own in-house training schools for mechanics. Uh, I know trade schools struggle with the generation that we're going through right now. People just don't want to turn wrenches. They think they can go get a history degree and suddenly they can't find work. Or if they just get their, uh, their knuckles bruised and their hands a little greasy, they could make a really good living. Uh, that, that's what I've experienced, at least in, in the past, uh, you know, re recent years. <laughs> well, I think that's true. And I, th I think maybe, you know, the industry needs to get a little smarter in terms of recruiting young people and getting them trained up because it's expensive to do that. But, you know. We have to get people into the industry somehow. That's right. Well, they're, cert they're certainly trying, and I know there's a couple of headhunters out there that run some 
some ads. I almost wonder how busy they'll be in the months to come uh, where some of the jobs that were open uh, will suddenly get filled by people looking for, a, you know, a new career or a new adventure, not knowing where they stand with their with their current company. And I don't mean that just to, to Blue Line, but on a day-to-day basis, if you're uh, if you're not happy with what you're doing, you need to, to find the role that, that you're that you're happy going to every day. So, uh, and then what? I, I know you've been in the M and A industry, but what, what role have you and your different companies uh, that you've been with played in the growth of the industry? And has it been more independent buying? Has it been more for the consolidators? Well, I, I certainly have, uh, you know, been doing transactions in the industry for the last, you know, eleven years or so. Um, so I certainly have played a role in the consolidation of the industry. I've, I've done probably 12 transactions. Um, most of that has been representing independent owner operators that want to run a professional process to sell their business. So, you know, I will help them pull together a comprehensive information memorandum that speaks to the company and the management team and their locations and the fleet and all the things that are important. And I'll uh, then solicit interest, uh, mostly from the consolidators, although I've uh, helped uh, some independents get private equity capital and, and that sort of thing. I've sold uh, some companies to some some larger independents, so it's not always the consolidators. Um, but uh, And I've done transactions both at you know, the peak of the last cycle and when things turn down and, and get ugly. I've worked with a couple companies to take them through bankruptcy processes. Uh, mostly to get them sold in the downturns. Um, and I've done a lot of work over the last nine years. Um, in this current up cycle, I've sold companies to United, Herc, uh, sold, I think, five to Sunbelt. Um, so I've done sold a company to National Trench Safety, um, done some specialized deals as well. So probably the biggest role I played, Don, in the last, you know, in the changes in the industry has been part of this consolidation and, and helping independent owner operators, you know, realize, you know, the proceeds from all their hard work over the years and to get the highest and best price for their, for their company and also right. the right fit, right? Most of them are very loyal to their people and they, they want to um, see their people be gainfully employed and, and sell to a company that shares their culture and that sort of thing. So these are all things that kind of go into a professional process. Right. And then, you know, right now, I think we're in a very, very robust uh, construction economy. I know, especially in South Louisiana with the LNG, there's billions and billions of dollars uh, to be had. And I know that all the uh, uh, construction associations, if you will, are, uh, are, are promising to add you know, three and four hundred thousand workers for the workforce over the next couple of years. Is that the same trend that you're seeing on the West Coast with a lot of uh, robust construction activity, which obviously affects the rental industry? Yes, I see the same thing on the on the West Coast. On I, I would describe the commercial construction market as, as very robust um, here in California, which I think is the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world. Uh, there's uh, enormous municipal projects that. LAX, for example, and the ports. Um, we just passed a new gas tax here in the state, so there's going to be some very significant um, improvements to the uh, transportation infrastructure over the coming five, six years. And commercial construction, construction whether it be multi-unit housing, um, commercial buildings, you know, that sort of thing, all, all continues to be very, very strong. Good. Okay, let's let's pick that uh, back uh, that subject back up. At that, I'm going to break back to Voice America and take a breather. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom lifts, visit GenieLift.com. That's GenieLift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. 
You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. This is Rental Equip Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back. Then I want to pick up where we left off about the construction that's going on across the country. And uh, there's supposed to be a real... uh, lack of construction workers available uh, uh, to these construction companies. And that's got to dovetail in back to the rental companies and how do they forecast their fleets with the types of projects that they have. And obviously uh, that most of that starts with the people out in the fields and to, and to their relationships with customers. It, it, when you've looked at other companies, how important is that uh, for a, uh, someone who has a, a salesman to be part of the uh, conversation, if you will, uh, to say, you know, what's coming, what kind of business, what kind of revenue forecast can we be looking at? All right. It's a good question, Don. I think, you know, most of the independents that I deal with um, take their cues from their uh, customers, um, trying to get a sense for how busy they're going to be over the next 6, 12 months, you know, that sort of thing. Um, The feedback in that area has been very, very strong, I would say. but look, you know, you're asking kind of the magic question for equipment rental people, you know, which is, you know, <laughs> what is the right level of fleet? Because, you know, most independents in this market are seeing great opportunity, but, you know, we're all old enough to remember the last downturn and how painful it was. So uh, I, I think a good, you know, good independent operator will remain disciplined in terms of their fleet levels and their leverage, their debt leverage. Right. Um, but, you know, so the opportunities are there, um, but most of my independents are, are, are not, uh, they're very, being very selective with, you know, what customers they're choosing. Um, they're being selective still with, with people that they're employing. You know, they want to get good people. They're not really looking to hire just anybody. Um, so I, I describe the market as very disciplined. You know, there's great opportunity out there, but... Um, the independents and even the majors are, 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 I think, are being very disciplined in this market. I, I know when I was hiring salespeople for Caterpillar, which you know is one of the world's most recognized names, and open up cat rental stores, people would bang in there the door to be part of it. But with salesmen, they always have these big promises, and nothing against salesmen; they're necessary. Love them. Have some of my best friends are still salesmen that I've worked with before, but uh, they would say I could bring you all this business. And uh, so my three questions were, number one, list companies without names and what type of revenue uh, that you think that they can bring. And uh, number two, can they bring it? And then we would do something called uh, fleet marketing. And then I would say, well, what are they going to rent? And it's it's one thing to say, oh, I can bring you all this business. But if they know a, a good salesman with a good relationship will know that a certain type of contract will need uh X booms, X scissors, X excavators, X dozers, and uh, and that plays in 
to, with an owner or with a, a large national company and uh, having the right f- fleet mix, uh, because obviously at the end of the day, the, uh, uh, the return on investment is very important, uh, not only to the local, but to the nationals and the, and the, and the public companies also. Do you feel the same way? I do, Don, and always in the back of their mind is this idea that, you know, the downturn will eventually come. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know when it's going to come, but I know that it will come. And, you know, you always got to be prepared, of course. Right. And, and typically the assets of the people are the first to go uh, to, uh, to tune down to where the business level is at, at that point in time. But, I mean, I, I see a pretty robust couple of years still in front of us, don't you? I do, Don. I, I, yeah, I, I do. I just uh, I, I talk to the independents who talk to their customers. I uh, look at things like the California state budget and things like that. I I can't imagine that there's a you know a downturn that's going to start tomorrow. Um, so I, I don't know what will cause the next downturn, but um, you know I I agree. The next twelve twenty four months. Um, you know, look look good to me. I, we have seen some softness in the in the stock prices of the majors. Um, most of them are actually down year to date. Surprisingly, um, I was just looking at that. Um, United is down almost four percent year to date. H and E is down twelve percent. Uh, Herc is down seventeen percent year to date. So I, I think that. Um, you know, it's not like I have any great insight into Wall Street and these investors, but I, I think maybe they see a slightly slower growth environment, which is why we've seen the stock prices of the majors kind of come off their peaks of the fourth quarter last year. Right. And, and unfortunately, you can't manage the business by the stock prices, right? You still got to do what you got to do right. day to day to keep the business. And I think that's what's most important uh, for everybody in this industry, uh, no matter big or small, just to have a have a pulse on on your business and uh, and, and what's happening with it. Uh, right. But we're, yeah, we're very busy right now, Don. I would I would say there's there's a lot of you know independent operators in their fifties and sixties that are you know built very very strong businesses, and even though they feel good about the next couple of years, um, they just don't want to go through that next downturn. So I, <laughs> I think it's a good time to sell. There, there's demand out there for good independent rental companies. And, um, you know, if you don't want to suffer through these downturns, because it's very, you know, once the economy does turn, it's very, very difficult to sell a company because everybody's kind of looking for the bottom at that point. Um, right. So I, I think it's a good time to, you know, if you're so inclined, I think it's a good time to kind of think about selling if you're, if you're you know, approaching retirement age. Right. Well, and, and of the companies that you talk to, whether they're for sale or not, what are your thoughts about uh, the number of second generation people being in, in the business. I'm a second generation guy myself. Uh, I know a lot of my buddies that I grew up in the business with the second generation and even third generation uh, people. Do you see a lot of, a lot of families continuing on? Yes, I do. Uh, in fact, I just had a client last year that um, uh, the owner brought a couple of his children into the business. Um, to me, that's really an ideal kind of situation. I'm, I'm actually a second-generation business owner myself. My father's in the seafood business. Um, but, uh, you know, Not in I, I South think Louisiana. As, as robust – no, no. But, you know, as robust as the market is, there's probably no better deal out there than just keeping it in the family for the next 20 or you know, 10 or 20 years, right? So right. I think uh, in, in terms of kind of building wealth uh, within a family, I, I think transferring it to the next generation makes a lot of sense, you know. But that assumes, of course, you have the next generation that's actually interested in doing in that. We talked a little bit about that today. Um, and also, you know, qualified to do that. But I've seen many um, multi-generational um, equipment rental companies I think it's a great thing. And then my, my advice to those second generation guys is to really get to know the numbers early. Uh, I was uh, with my dad who uh, we, we had a growing business, but I was so involved with the operations and growing, uh, you know, it took me a while to get my arms around the numbers and him taking the time to sit with me. And I suggest that to any second generation guy to sit with your, uh, with, with your uh, family members and, and do 
deal directly with your bankers, get that relationship started early with your bankers and, uh, and your CPA and really know what, what turns the numbers and, and, and what you think the company can do in the future from there. So that's uh, just a little word of advice for somebody who's, who's been there and done that. Uh, anyway, I know we're going to have one more break, but uh, let's uh, before we go to that, uh, I know you have a lot of different services and craft partners. You want to talk a little bit about more of that? And then in the last segment, I want to talk about how people can get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, well, thank you, Don. I, I really do three things. I um, Probably the biggest segment of what I do is I represent uh, independent owner-operators that have that want to sell their business for whatever reason. They want to retire or they want to, you know, whatever. Um, so I will, um, you know, put together uh, an information memorandum. It's a very slick-looking document that uh, tells about the company, its history, its key managers, locations, fleet mix, all that sort of thing. I'll use that document to solicit interest from, from buyers, whether it be private equity firms or the strategic buyers of the world. Um, so... The idea, of course, is to, um, one, get a deal done, and, and two, create some competitive tension in order to get the highest and best price. And, and for that, I get paid a percentage of the purchase price at closing. Um, so I've done that, you know, like I said, probably a dozen times. I really enjoy what I do. Um, the other thing that I do is I, I work with companies you know, during the downturn that are really I've gotten kind of upside down on their balance sheets, and I, do, I will take them through a bankruptcy process in order to kind of either restructure the debt or to sell the company for the benefit of the creditors. Um, don't like doing that work as much, but uh, sometimes it's a necessary and value-added service during during the downturns. Um, and what, and the let me ask I, you this. Sorry. Along that same line, what would be the top three or four things that you would tell an owner to do in preparing his company for sale? Good question, Don. I, I think that um, I, I think very early on the benchmarking is really helpful. Um, you know, if, if your fleet is very, very old relative to the strategics out there, for example, um, it really puts the a dent in the valuation of the company. Um, but it really helps to have long-tenured employees, long-tenured customers, um, a fleet mix that um, will work for the strategics. You know, if, if United, for example, has uh, an average age fleet of 45 days, you know, if yours is uh, 90 days, you know, somebody like United will look at that and say, well, geez, I'm going to have to replace 75% of this fleet. So, um, the value that I'm willing to pay is going to be significantly less than what I otherwise might, otherwise might pay. So I would say, you know, um, and things like, you know, systems and that sort of thing also go a long way towards the marketing of the company. But a lot of it just depends on um, the quality of the people, uh, the geography that you're in, uh, the fleet mix, that sort of thing. Um, it's very helpful, for example, to be in a geography that's contiguous to some of the majors, or and this is public information. The, the majors announced that you know that they're looking to get denser into major metropolitan areas. So if you're in Chicago, for example, that's going to be much better than you know uh, some small town in the Midwest. Um, but I would say, you know, start to look at the metrics of your company relative to some of the publics, you know, see where perhaps you're falling short, um, work towards, you know, getting those metrics in line, fleet age, that sort of thing. Um, really concentrate, I would say, on serving a core customer base um, with a core group of employees that have been around for a long time. These are all things that really help the marketing process. Okay, let's take uh, let's take our last break before we go into the last segment. We can pick that up from there uh, about how we wrap this show up and some other things coming your way. At that, I'm going to break back to Voice America and take a breather. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. 
For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom lifts, visit genielift.com. That's genielift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. This is Rental Equip Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back. Okay, Dan, uh, just a comment or two more about the preparation and then how people can get in touch with you, please. Sure, Don. Uh, well, first of all, I... Uh really would welcome people to reach out to me, uh, independent owner operators, you know, even if you're not interested in selling at the moment, I, I just enjoy meeting people from the industry. I, I do uh, publish this kind of quarterly newsletter kind of thing that I think people find generally helpful that tracks, you know, some of these bench, benchmarking metrics that we've talked about and um, talks about major acquisitions in the industry and that sort of thing. So I would really encourage uh, people to reach out. Um, happy to add you to my distribution list for that uh, newsletter. Also, just enjoy meeting people in the industry. Um, I'll give you a, a couple ways to contact me. Uh, first of all, my website um, also lists many of the transactions that I've done over the last uh, decade or so. Uh, my website is craft, C-R-A-F-T, Partners, P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S-L-L-C.com. That's Craft with a C, Partners, LLC.com. Uh, the direct line in my office is 818-272-8890. Again, that's 818-272-8890. And also, if you just prefer to email me, I'd be happy just to add you to my distribution list. Um, my email is the letter D as in Dan. Conway, C-O-N-W-A-Y, at, and then my company name, CraftPartnersLLC.com, C-R-A-F-T, Partners with an S, L-L-C. And, um, you know, please, uh, again, encourage people to reach out to me. I, again, I really enjoy meeting people in the industry. Um, all, our comp- all our conversations are completely confidential, and, um, you know, it could be a good sounding board for independent owner operators out there. And I just want to thank you, Don, for this opportunity to, to speak to your audience. It's been um, very helpful for, for me, and I have a great passion for this industry. And so I really appreciate uh, your inviting me. Well, God, glad to have you. And, and obviously, I think uh, our listeners uh, hopefully learned a lot about uh, a little bit more about the intricacies of the industry along the way from the top to the bottom uh, and, and everybody's got to start somewhere and end up somewhere. So uh, I'd like to uh, thank Dan for joining us today with uh, some real valuable information. And by the way, if you're interested in being a guest uh, sponsor or advertiser on the show or just even have a question, again, you can contact me at rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. 
next week, uh, Wednesday, noon Central, 10 Pacific time, this will be my first real open forum show uh, where you get to call in and ask questions. Uh, the promise I'll make to you is that uh, uh, no company names and no last names for your anonymity. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of great folks that produce a lot of great news letters uh, in our industry that come out every week. Uh, I want this uh, this venue for every couple of weeks to be your opportunity to uh, react to the news and tell us uh, you know what you're thinking about. So uh, next week's program is going to be what's on your mind in rental and do you want to talk about the United deal? Do you want to talk about rates, compensation programs? It's it's your call. It's your show. Uh, if you write down this number, it's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or to email questions again, rental equip talk radio at gmail dot com. And we won't have all the answers, but if we don't have the answers, we'll try to get them. And again, that number is going to be one eight six six. Four seven two five seven nine zero, and always remember that uh, twelve hours after these live broadcasts, that you can listen on demand at the rentalequiptalkradio.com website through Voice America. Uh, as uh, we we get ready to close, uh, I always have a I'd like to pose a question uh, to the listeners, and uh, the question for today is: uh, When was the last time that you did a physical inventory? And by that, I mean have two different people uh, count the inventory and then go back and match it up against the printed depreciation schedule or asset schedule that you have. Uh, and I think that, that you'll be surprised. We were a big proponent of, uh, of, of taking physical inventories every week uh, by breaking it down on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in different equipment categories. And it's uh, Sometimes a little scary what can grow legs when you're not thinking about it and you go to go to look for it and you, and you, and you can't find it. Uh, so uh, another thing I want to say is that uh, with, with all the, the pending mergers and acquisitions that have gone on, uh, remember that uh, change can bring opportunity in a lot, a lot of different ways. So uh, I'm your host, Donald Charbonnet. Till next Wednesday, get your questions ready. I appreciate you joining me today. And remember those folks that are out on the, uh, the East Coast, and, uh, and let's hold, hold a good prayer for them uh, because I certainly don't want another city to go through uh, that New Orleans went through after Hurricane Katrina. Thanks for those who listened in, and thanks for those who might listen on demand. Rowan, I hope everybody has a good week. Go Renum. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Rental Equip Talk Radio. Be sure to join your host, Donald Charbonnet, next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.